do you have any belief that you stand a chance to win this nomination, let alone the presidency? Most of the people that are in elective office in Washington, D.C. have held public office before. How's that working for you? Herman Cain, Solutions for a Better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us. Because you know we're going to tell you the truth. Give you the facts. So you can be better equipped, informed to help make this a better USA. Breaking news, breaking news every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, most connected man in Washington. Hey, Herman, I was just uh, trolling for members off the uh, House floor in the last little while, taking more temperatures on the GOP leadership race. I don't right. know if you saw, there's already a website up that's been put up by a former congressman from Georgia, Paul Brown, and a number of conservative groups yeah. that is called FireMcCarthy.com. So you all, what? It's, it's, yeah, it's sort of like in college football when people uh, put together websites to fire the coach of their team. Uh, even before <laughs> Kevin McCarthy has been elected as Speaker of the House, uh, there's already a website in conservative groups trying to undercut him. And I have to say, there's just still this simmering discontent among Republicans. I just interviewed uh, a Boehner supporter just in the last few minutes downstairs who was just livid at the Tea Party for not putting anybody up for any of these leadership races. And you interview the, the Tea Party Freedom Caucus guys, and they all say, no, there's you know there's no need for us to run anybody. Uh, but they haven't rallied around or endorsed any candidates, and so still a lot of finger-pointing going on within the Republican Party here in the House. Half foot will shoot self in is what's happening here. Yeah, you know, I mean, think about it. Uh, it's been that way for a long time now. The, and, and you can understand, look, there are people who honestly uh, believe that the direction of the party needs to change. I don't, you know, that's, uh, there's there's no doubt about that on the Republican side. But at the same time, overall, the numbers that you have here, I was talking with one guy earlier, and I said, well, what do you think if, if uh, the Freedom Caucus actually put somebody up to run for speaker? And he laughed out loud and said he wouldn't even get 30 votes. Mm. And so, you know, that's the whole thing is they've got a big bark. They make lots of noise, but they really don't have that much influence in the House or, frankly, in the Senate either. Uh, and so uh, we're sort of in one of those moments where I think this internal battling is going to go on. And there, are, frankly, I've talked to a lot of people on the Republican side who are ready to vote for McCarthy, but they're worried that in the next few months he may suffer the same problems as Boehner yeah. and, and, and have the same guys chewing on his leg and yet not be able to move forward in the Republican Party. Well, he's, he's going to have to go in with some sort of strategy, which we've talked about today. And one of the things that he's got to have is an objective to pull the party together and a strategy for that, an objective in terms of what agenda items they're going to push and how they're going to get that done. That's what he's going to have to do. You just can't get elected speaker and then speak. you got to do something. No, but let me tell you, interviewing the, the Tea Party guys, they don't even want him there, period. Good grief. Uh, but I'm not sensing any groundswell for Dan Webster whatsoever. There'll be a few guys. Uh, he'll get some votes, absolutely. But there's still the, the wild card, even next week if McCarthy wins, of what happens on the floor after Speaker Boehner leaves, and then you have to make it official. There are some people who are worried that the the you know some of the people who are against Boehner will vote against McCarthy as well when he gets on the floor, and if enough of them do, they could deny him a majority and keep him out of that job. Is that uh, caucus? What do they call them? Freedom caucus? Yes. Is, is it? Are their names listed somewhere? No, they've never really. There's uh, it, it's it's um. This will be the wrong thing to say because it's apples and oranges. It, well, say it. it. Re <laughs> reminds me of the no uh, the no nothings because sometimes you ask people if they're in the Freedom Caucus and they're like, I don't know anything about that. And 
<laughs> even though you hear they are. So they, they, they don't really issue a roster or anything like that, but you know uh, many of the people that are in it. Uh, nobody has a, a finite number for exactly how many. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's clear that the, the battles inside the GOP will not end just because John Boehner is leaving. Well, they've got, uh, let's see, this week and the weekend and the jockeying and the this and the that. I'm surprised. Now, you said Paul Brown, former congressman, is part of that FireMcCarthy.com thing. Yeah, let me look at the uh, the website because it's got all kinds. I mean, it's a whole bunch of sponsors down at the bottom for the website, and they're asking for more. Uh, Paul Brown, there's a whole bunch of different PACs. Uh, Alan Keyes has chipped in money, the Madison Project, Freedom Watch, Conservative Action Fund. So, you know, it's a lot of the... Uh, the names that have been out there before, sort of in Republican, more conservative circles, uh, making it clear that they do not like and do not want Kevin McCarthy. Okay, they got to get that act together. That's all I got to say. Well, we didn't talk about the Clinton emails because I was saving that topic for you today. Yeah, you know, um, I, I think it's very much this fifth batch that was released yesterday. It was very much like the earlier four. You know, you dig into it, a lot of just average stuff, you know, her schedule, some political stuff, people sending her uh, emails to say, you know, how good she's doing, some some worry about how she's being perceived in the press and politically, you know, who she's going to meet with, what diplomatic issues, big and small. There were, uh, again, a number of emails that had been redacted uh, by the State Department. Some had been had been uh, classified after the fact, and they weren't classified at the time, but they were restricted now. I even found a bunch of emails that won't be released publicly until 2031, so that's another 16 years. So uh, the Clinton team again argued, well, none of this stuff was classified at the time, so Hillary Clinton didn't do anything wrong. But again, it was just sort of that, again, that drip, drip, drip about her emails. But is that enough to knock her off? Is that enough to, to sink her? Uh, you know, again, I've watched this story too many times with her that she's in the midst of all this controversy and then seems to emerge from it later on. I do think that these comments by Kevin McCarthy about the, the Benghazi committee will be used. And I see that Nancy Pelosi has just said downstairs that she's called the Benghazi committee, quote, an unethical operation. And I think whether you like it or not, the uh, the Democrats will really, I think, stand sort of on those kind of comments and argue that this hearing that's coming up is nothing but a political hit job on Hillary Clinton. And it'll become even more political and probably won't get too much into the facts and details about what exactly happened in Benghazi. And the beat goes on. Uh, what about uh, Ashton Carter admitting that they were caught off guard relative to the Russian airstrikes? It's obvious the administration was caught flat-footed yesterday by these Russian airstrikes. Uh, they were denounced both uh, at the podium at the White House, the State Department, and the, and the Pentagon. But the question is... You know, you look at it, where do we go from here? There's been more strikes today. There's been some indication that maybe the Russians have gone after groups that were backed by the U.S. and backed by the CIA. Um, uh, Vladimir Putin obviously has uh, decided to do more than just insert himself into this. He's put his military right in there. They're going to be fully based there. This is the first time that I can think of the Russians doing something militarily outside of Mother Russia, really since maybe the Afghanistan invasion in 1979. I mean, this is for them getting a foothold in the Middle East. And you have to wonder about the alliances there with Iran, with Syria, and more. And it really sort of leaves the U.S. on the outside looking in in many ways. Uh, the, the questions, of course, that arise about the problematic situation of us being there militarily, the Russians being there militarily, the Iranians, the Iraqis, the Turks, you know, that's just a, 
a, a recipe mess. for disaster. And there's no clear, you know, it's not just the guys in in the white jerseys and the guys in the blue jerseys. There's all kinds of different groups that are in there that cross over back and forth. Some that oppose Assad, some that back him, uh, the Islamic State, and more that doesn't make for an easy kind of situation to figure out what to do. Uh, And I think, obviously, the Republicans, politically, the Republicans will take this and just roll this into their litany of arguments that they have, that they say that the administration has has had a weak foreign policy, that they backed off in the Middle East and other areas, and that it's really come home to roost with the Russians now thumbing their nose at us and just getting involved, uh, much to, really, uh, to our detriment in the near term. Well... I hope that they clarify some things and get the situation settled because I know it creates a very uneasy feeling with a whole lot of people. And as someone said, it causes our friends to say, what's going on and who's in charge? And Putin doesn't show any signs of backing off of what he's doing there, the Ukraine or anywhere else. And it's a, you know, it looks like a power grab to a whole lot of people. No, well, I mean, that's what it is. And obviously, the Russians have not really been involved in the Middle East in a number of years since the, the Egyptians tossed them out. They tried to sort of get a toehold with Syria off and on, but that didn't work. And yeah, this is a, this is a big deal, obviously, in that it uh, certainly, uh, you know, again, it raises the issue of how forward-looking has this administration been in using American power and getting involved certainly uh, the the U.S. doesn't want the Assad regime in power, but now the Russians are in there to prop it up and to make sure it yeah. doesn't get knocked out. And they make no bones about it either. Nope. So they, you know, Russia and the United States are on totally opposite sides of that, and now you've got this other stuff going on. So are there any other countries in Europe other than France? I know they were also over there. You know, dropping some bombs and doing some things. Are any other countries doing anything? Well, I think the, the the Brits and others are in a support role there for us. The UAE and Egypt, they have flown missions inside uh, uh, Iraq and Syria against the Islamic State. But they're, let's face it, this operation by the U.S. military has not exactly been overwhelming. I think everybody would agree, no matter what side of the ball you're on, it has been limited in terms of its military operations. And frankly, that's a plus for a lot of members of the Democratic Party and the president in this administration. They don't want to get big time involved. They did not, uh, you know, they talked a lot about uh, attacks against Syria, what was it, about two years ago at this time, and it didn't happen. So, in a sense, it's a much different view for both parties as to what the correct answer is. And the involvement of the Russians, again, I think just feeds into the Republican narrative that this president has been weak on foreign policy and that he's removed the U.S. from major areas like the Middle East. I know you work out of Washington, D.C., so are you a uh, Georgia Bulldog fan or an Alabama Crimson Tide? Um, I am a Florida Gator fan. <laughs> that ain't who we talking about. <laughs> well, you asked me a question. <laughs> oh, Florida Gator fan. Don't we? Don't doesn't Georgia play them? Too? I think there's a little uh, okay. cocktail party we, we, every year. We yes. will. We will talk then, Jamie. Okay. That game, good, game on, dude. Uh, one weather note, uh, the the possibility of Hurricane Joaquin coming up the East yes. Coast. Uh, Donald Trump has just announced that he's canceling an event that he had scheduled. I think it was either in Virginia Beach or in Norfolk yeah. uh, for Friday afternoon. So he's going to cancel that. Uh, so the, the hurricane having an impact on the political scene as well. Yep. And... Uh be safe, man, because they don't know whether it might turn and come over that way or not at this particular point. All right. See you, Herman. Thanks a lot, Jamie. 